Father, we just come to you, Father. Respect of anything and everything we may face in life, we can still laugh. But as the song says, O oh Lord, you brought laughter into our lives. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That is the kingdom of God. We are in the kingdom. We are kingdom people. We have a king. And this morning we have come in worship. To worship our king. To ask of our request to our king. Who is merciful and kind. And now father. To sit in your presence and hear what our king has to say to us. What our father, the shepherd of our souls has to say to us. For you are the counselor. You are the prince of peace. And the government is upon your shoulder. To the increase of your government, there is no end. I pray, Father, even today, during the ministry of the word, there would be an increase of your government in our hearts, in our lives, O Lord. Speak to us, Father, speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. For those who were there yesterday, very few were there, and uh, most of you are volunteering, so you may not have heard most of the message. But for the pastors, we were looking at Christmas, and we saw God's hand-picked people in the Christmas story, and not the kind of people man would pick. Though the new covenant begins with the gospel according to Matthew in the order it is put, chronologically, time-wise, it doesn't begin where Matthew begins. It begins where Luke begins with an old couple called Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Luke will beginning with Joseph and with Mary. These are the four main characters in the Christmas story. People whom we wouldn't pick, but God picked. So God saw something in them, which we don't, with carnal eyes, don't see. But the focus yesterday was on the man God picked to be the earthly foster father of his only begotten son. The man who trained his son, the man who disciplined his son, the man who would instruct his son. Nothing is written about that. About that man. Except a few lines. But he must have been some man. For the father. To pick a father. For his only son. Must have been some man. So we looked in detail. Two sessions yesterday. Is it uploaded? Yeah, it's already uploaded. I would request you. Request you have come to the point of requesting people to keep listening to the word because I see stuff happening. I see stuff and I'm telling you things are moving very fast in the spiritual realm. 2017 was a year like never before. Things have changed so fast to the point. Finally, somebody asked me from US. Pastor, what do you think about the proclamation 
Jerusalem as the capital. I said, finally, a president has risen who has a backbone and not a wishbone. Something, no president in U.S. kept on delaying every six months. Somebody who rose up and declared. You need to realize we are moving to the final chapter in God's history. And uh, watch always to our response to the word of God. Because that's the only thing God has given that can save man. No, so listen, listen, and continuously ask God, give me the power to change. Because we even do not have the power to change in ourselves. He gives us the power. Give me the spirit of repentance. Give me the spirit, the power to change, O oh Lord, constantly. That I and you should never be caught by surprise. So we see this man, and he's introduced to us in the gospel according to Matthew. Okay? Now, if you, if you read the story, we hear about Angel Gabriel appearing to Mary and giving her that incredible news, which can be a terrifying news to any young girl who has just been encased to be married, that you're going to conceive. And then to encourage her, he says, you know your relative, the old auntie Elizabeth, she's born in her old age and she's six months pregnant. He gives it all clarity. Like I was telling yesterday, the gynec will say plus or two weeks, minus two weeks. No gynec is very sure when you conceive. Plus or minus two weeks. God says Elizabeth is six months pregnant. Because he's the one behind conception. Even before I formed you, I knew you. From my womb, you have been my God, says David. Okay, so God knows exactly. And he says, I know it's stunning news for you, but you have surrendered. And I'm telling you a piece of information. Elizabeth has conceived. And she's six months pregnant. Scripture says, actually, she immediately packed up. It's interesting kid, right? She must have been 16 or 17 years old if you go by culture of those days. Conceives of the Holy Spirit. Next thing she does, packs her bag and goes to see Elizabeth. How she went, how much she traveled, historians say Elizabeth is in Judea, she is in Nazareth, it's at least a seven day journey, walking. Takes off. Because that's exactly how it should be. That's the way we should react. Here she has received the word of God, it's a stunning word of God, and God tells her there is another one who has received the word of God, you go to that person to be encouraged. That is what fellowship means. Fellowship, we can be encouraged only by like-minded people, people who are hungry for God, hungry for His Word. Mary cannot be encouraged by anybody except Elizabeth, who has encountered the same God in a similar manner. That's what scripture calls deep calls unto deep. It's an incredible experience. She walks, she reaches, we do not know how long she took. She steps in, greets Elizabeth, and scripture says, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and starts prophesying. Elizabeth's baby, which is in her womb, who will come later and 30 years later will point to Jesus and say, I am not worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. The one who comes after me shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And when Mary's steps into Elizabeth's house and greets the embryo in her womb, Easter Jesus Christ baptizes Elizabeth in the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the living God. And she prophesies. 
That's why we read scripture closely and say, Wow, God, you are awesome. Nothing can limit your power. You must be just a weak, old embryo. You are still mighty God, everlasting Father, the baptizer. Stunning. Incredible encounter with two, two mothers to be. Incredible encounter. You know what scripture says? Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months. Scripture is not very clear. It's just silent. We don't know. Did she stay here for her delivery? Six plus three is nine months for me. And nine months you have a baby, right? So did she stay back for her delivery? We do not know. It's all hidden, okay? And then Mary goes back. Three months. You have to read scripture to understand the story. So God opens it up for you. Three months later, she goes back to Nazareth and she tells Joseph. I believe that's the chronological order. She tells Joseph. I am carrying. I'm three months pregnant. And it is of God. Poor man. You've been away for three months and you come back from Judea and you tell me you're carrying. And you're telling me this is of God. It's terrible news for the young man. You know, God doesn't make it easy for even his chosen ones. It's a walk of faith. It's a walk of hardship in this world. Pain and sorrow and brokenness. Poor man must be broken. But there is something interesting over there. When we are introduced to this man, scripture says, he was a just man. Just man. He was a just man. When we use the term just, we say, I want justice. It's not fair. We all want justice. But look at what actually justice of God is like. Because righteousness is a result of justice. He was a just man. Because he was a just man, he did not want to make her a public spectacle. We never considered that as justice. Because the legal aspect, the legalistic, pharisaical attitude of justice is, I am going to make you pay for this. You have messed up my life too. I waited all this. Now, okay, I can publicly reject you and go, but what? What will people will always laugh about me? That's the thing, how we think about justice. But he says, no, that's not justice. Justice is always tempered with mercy. They go hand in hand. Then only the righteousness of God is displayed. So scripture says, he was a just man, but also a merciful man. That's the man God picked as a father for his earthly son. Justice and mercy goes together. Remember, everyone sitting here has an inborn sense of justice. Because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of righteousness. That's the cry that's happening all over the world. The agitations you see is because everybody has an inbuilt sense, this is not right. This is not the way it should be. Because justice is what the world is waiting for. But no government can bring justice. There is a day God has determined for justice. It is called the day of the Lord. That is when the government will have no end. 
that is when he will step down and will show us what justice is, what righteousness is. A day is set. People are upset around the world. Things are happening. Scripture tells you in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Know this in the last days, perilous times will come. It has come. Perilous times have come. Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus says, For then there will be great tribulation such as not been seen the beginning of the world until this time. No, never shall be. Terrible times. God has prophesied evil will increase. You know why? Because creation is winding down. All our engineering or medical marvels is not going to slow down corruption. There are certain things. This is something which I I would probably like to ask an expert in that. This is something which I... You see what's happening over here in the world. There is this entire confusion. Amazon gives you 52 ways in which you, you can identify your gender. Gender confusion. Male, female, transsexual. I mean, you can... All kinds... You can go through any kind of surgeries and keep on changing your gender, but you cannot change your chromosome. Cannot. If you're why, you're why. That's the way God made you. You cannot be changed. So if you're born a male, you can have any surgeries, you can dress like a woman, you can act like a woman, your chromosome remains the same. And you will be judged by the chromosome he gave you. Understand. People don't understand how God's kingdom functions. There is tribulation in the minds of people, in homes, in churches, in nations, because God says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Because I am giving you a kingdom. That cannot be shaken. 2000 years ago, the king came. King came. And the earth is winding up. Creation, as we say, is winding up because eternity is coming. Eternity with God or without God. Eternity is coming. And Jesus has been warning through his servants for 2000 years. It's coming closer and closer and closer and closer. Reminding people of Noah and Lot's generations. Everything looked normal. And then in a split second or moments, the whole world came crashing down. Everything looked normal. So when we see all the injustice and the unrighteous and the evil around, people get upset. And they ask this question, where is God? If there is a God, why is he indifferent to evil? How can a holy, righteous God allow all this evil? That's a question people ask. Believers, non-believers, atheists, everybody. You talk about a God. Haven't you seen all this? Where is God? In Isaiah 55, this is what God says. 7 and 9. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. But to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, we cannot sit here in this temporary time fixed world and start understanding the ways of God. You'll never understand the ways of God or the thoughts of God. It's much, much higher. The fallen man has departed from the thoughts of God and therefore from the ways of God. And we have to come back. Salvation is the beginning. And constantly come back and be renewed in our minds. Because unless our thoughts don't change, our ways won't change. We'll be just hypocrites or split personalities. Pretending one thing in church or pretending one thing before authority. And another, when authority departs or is invisible, we are something else. That's why all your, all your companies have cameras. Cameras. Why are there cameras? To see that people don't steal, people work, there is no abuse. No abuse. I have one institution where there are cameras and people don't realize. Every moment I'm awake, I'm watching my children. And after the cameras came, two employees left because they couldn't live under the camera. I'm still watching every day because they are vulnerable children. Because what's happening today, the mess in the world you see is abused children who grew up. It all begins there. Children are abused. And children are meant to be protected. It all begins there. How we deal with children. God is zealous for his children. God is never, never absent. God is not invisible. Though he may be invisible to us, he's not invisible. Nothing is hidden from his eyes. In Hebrews 4 and verse 13, scripture says, there is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's what God wants to make us. A set of people who live under his eyes. Knowing that camera never shuts down. It is not based on power. It sees everything. Which no human camera can or no human machine can record. It knows sees your actions. It sees your thoughts. It sees your emotions. It sees your intents. It sees everything which you don't know it sees. The eyes of God. And God wants us to be fearlessly live under that eyes and make us those people who are whole. And one of the ways you become whole is what we looked at on Sunday being be a grateful people. Give thanks. Be grateful. Be grateful. Because salvation is not a right. It's a gift. Which we did not earn. So everything is happening. We may look, Lord, what is happening? God says, according to my timeline, everything is happening. What he has planned for his creation. God is in absolute control of human history. While in the same time, allowing every person here and hearing, men and women, full responsibility to take decisions according to the free will he has given us. He's in complete control of human history, yet he says, I give you complete control of your lives. 
but you cannot change history. You cannot change history. Because we always ask, when you look at all the evil around, and even at the evil in one's own life, why does not God intervene? Why does not God intervene? Lord, why are you not intervening? God's word gives us the answer. He showed it first. One of the first things he showed to the father of believers, Abraham, he showed. He shows history in advance. Yeah, Genesis 15. He said to Abraham, no, no, certainly. Your dissonance history won't be changed. This is how it is going to happen. Your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And will serve them. And they will afflict them for 400 years. How many years? 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old. God gave him his history and his people's history in advance. It's the way it's going to be. 400 years of affliction. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For reason, the iniquity of the Amorites is still not complete. Interesting, right? God gives us something here about how his justice flows out. Because everybody wants justice. It is true. That should be the cry of every genuine heart. Lord, I want justice. God said there is a timeline for justice. That's the key, verse 16. God is in control of history. Man is in control of his free will. So the Egyptians freely enslaved the Israelites. And Pharaoh freely decreed the children to be killed. God did not force anybody's hand. God witnessed all this for 400 years, was moved in anger, but did not intervene for hundreds of years, literally. He did not. This has been true for every age. For 2,000 years, Christians have been persecuted and more in this last century than any other century. Persecution has only increased. Evil has only increased, but God has not intervened. Take a good look outside and take a good look inside. Take a good look outside, take a good look inside. Today's children are capable and have the knowledge of evil which older people of the previous generation do not know. There is evil all around. God judged. If evil is so much prevalent, why is not God judging? Because there's only one answer given in the text. The iniquity of the Amorites is not complete yet. That's what we see. Men are slaughtering men, women, children, children sacrificed, women raped all around the world. Iniquity increasing. Unimaginable cruelty released on earth. Then and now. But God waited. The question is, till when will God wait? When will divine justice come? Because something is interesting about divine justice. Divine justice 
is intertwined with patient long suffering justice with mercy but think of this amorites it's a cup the cup of the amorites drip 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 the sins are being piled nobody sees only god sees you cannot see from here where you are sitting how full the cup is only i can see but drip by drip by drip it's filling and god says it's not complete yet I'm waiting it's a tipping point we say mercy and justice okay one day there is a tipping point and god says time for justice the sins of the amorites were slowly filling it is true in history every of 21 civilizations are all twined by says of 21 civilizations 19 civilizations when the time came got destroyed there's no trace of them anymore said enough gone no egyptians no babylonians no assyrians no medes no persians no greeks no rome all gone they were mighty in their time but they had no idea drip drip the cup was filling god in heaven said off slowly filling cuz understand how god works his kingdom works justice and mercy we saw yesterday in genesis chapter 6 verses 11 to 13 the earth was also was corrupt before the god and the earth was filled with violence god looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth And verse 13 and God said to Noah the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth He looked he saw his time has come judgment has been passed on earth already set but the time hasn't come even when he makes this proclamation he does three things three things he does look at these three things he does first peter chapter 3 verse 20 who were formerly disobedient when once the divine long suffering waited in the days of noah while the ark was being prepared here you see two things one you see divine long suffering godly long suffering he said you know what every heart is wicked every thought is inclined towards earth is corrupted but in divine long suffering he is waiting 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 in the process on another side a man has been commissioned to do what build an ark so two things you see here divine long suffering and ark being prepared third thing you will see is in second peter 3:5 25 sorry 25 Saved Noah, one of eight people. Who was he? He kept a preacher in their midst. Three things: divine long suffering, ark is being built, and preacher in the midst, a preacher of righteousness for hundred and twenty years. Divine long suffering. Judgment was set hundred and twenty years earlier. 
But in his divine long suffering he waited. Parallelly is building a structure in which people can find safety and kept a preacher of righteousness who while he's preaching is building. That's what God does. Three things. Divine judgment was set the day Jesus died on the cross. The prince of this world was judged. Sentence has been passed. Two thousand years is building a safe place and he has kept preachers of righteousness in the midst of these people all around the world. Repent, believe, get in. Repent, stay in. Repent, stay in. There is power. Don't stay at the bottom. There is a danger. Go higher, 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 higher. Higher you go, more safety is there. 2,000 years, nothing has changed. Patterns of God, the ways of God is still the same. This was God's act of mercy. That's what we need to realize. To keep a preacher of righteousness in the midst of iniquity is God's act of mercy. He could have just destroyed. He said, no, I'm not going to destroy them like that. I'm going to be patiently waiting and give a chance to anybody who will hear, believe and get in. Repent and get in. The preaching of the word of God is an act of mercy of God. We saw yesterday, those who were there, we saw yesterday about King Ahab. What wicked king, the kind of wickedness this man did, pushed, pushed, pushed by his wife. Finally, he kills an innocent man called Naboth. His wife does it. She gets him killed. You know, you see that systems operating that way. A wicked power. But in this case, she Jezebel is a wicked power, but she has a weak man at the helm and he has weaker men all around. And that's how wickedness prevails in the land. They have a mock trial. Naboth is called. Two scoundrels are sitting there. They pervert the law. He has blasphemed the God and the king and they stone him and then she says, go take the vineyard. It's yours. He goes. He goes to take the vineyard. They think everything is fine. No problem. We got what we wanted. But they forgot. There is a pair of eyes that's watching. The word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, he's at Naboth's vineyard. You go there. He goes there. What does he say? You have found me? He says, yes, I have found you. The word of God will find you. And he says, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. This is the way judgment will come upon you. You will die. And your blood will be licked by the dogs. This is what will happen to the rest of your family. Whole judgment is given. When he hears this, Ahab hears this, he rents his garments, puts on sackcloth, and he humbles himself, and he moans. Now you can fool pastors, you can fool priests, you can fool even the high priest, but you can't fool God. God said, you know what? He's genuinely repenting. Genuinely repenting. He says, you know what? What I said about that, it won't happen in your lifetime. It will happen in your son's lifetime. Mercy. That's God. Now we always think mercy begins 
in somebody's life when you repent. No, mercy began when the word of the Lord came to Elijah and sent him to King Ahab. When does mercy begin? God's act of mercy begin. It begins when the word of God comes to you is an act of mercy. Because if you don't have the word of God, you will never repent. The very fact we receive the word of God every day from him is an act of mercy. So we are people who have received mercy. Tens and thousands out who do not hear the word, they have no access to mercy. That's why the zeal of the believer to go and spread the gospel so they may have access to mercy. This is God. This is God. Merciful God. Merciful God. We saw yesterday again one of the most wicked king who even killed his own children, sacrificed to demons. Manasseh. Jerusalem was filled with blood of sacrifices by this wicked king. You know what God did to him? Interesting. Look at this God. Second Chronicles, yeah. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not. Therefore the Lord brought upon them captains of the army of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze, fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. Now we will see this is judgment. But God's judgment is never separated from mercy. Understand, when God Terrible things happens to his people who are called by his name. It's an act of mercy, not just judgment. What happens? Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed to him and he received his entreaty, heard his supplication and brought him back to Jerusalem. You think about it. Who, which judge in this world will ever do this to a man who has killed babies and Flooded the streets with the blood of children. His own people. Who will do it? Only our God. Mercy. You know what happens? The other portion I gave you. Manasa knew. He took away the foreign gods, the idol from the house of the Lord, all the altars he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. He cast them out of the city. He also repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed peace offerings, thank offerings on it, commanded Judah to serve the God of Israel. He changed. Understand this. This is how God works. God works. No? Don't have to fill the cup. You never know when your cup is full. Only God knows. God gave the Amorites a witness. God gave the Amorites a witness. Amorites are not Egyptians. Amorites are the people of Canaan. He gave them a witness. In Hebrews chapter 11 verses 9 to 10 talks about by faith. Who? Abraham. He dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in Tents with Isaac, Jacob and the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. The three people here, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, probably richest guys in Canaan. How did they live? Like? Like? What does it mean? 
we don't want to live like foreigners we want to look exactly like the world that's our problem you looked at abraham anybody looked at abraham he doesn't talk like a canaanite he doesn't dress like a canaanite he doesn't worship like a canaanite he doesn't do anything like a canaanite so they always called him the hebrew joseph might be a slave but when trouble came what did potiphar's wife say that hebrew that's his identity they lived like foreigners we are foreigners if you act and live and dress and talk like a kingdom person you will be a foreigner here and that's your witness that was the witness first how they lived second they dwelt in tents we know this tents then means you can keep on moving keep on moving why hebrew genesis 13 verse 17 arise and walk in the land through its length and breadth and width for i give it to you what is abraham and isaac and jacob doing in their entire lifetime if you look moving 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 100 years for abraham another 180 years for isaac all are, what are they doing why let every amorite in this land see what is the witness of god you are the witness of god in this land keep moving don't stay in a house because i have built a house for you on the other side i am calling you to live as a foreigner and keep mourning keep moving through this land so that every amorite will know who is the true god by looking at you that's our witness that's our witness That's what we are called to do. Father of faith, children of faith. That's what we are. For every generation, we are the witness. That's what Abraham did, Jacob did, Isaac did. The problem is, none of us know. The cup is full. Only God knows. But Noah's generation. some say 100 years some say 120 years lot generation we don't know much much less 30 or 40 years second peter chapter 2 verse 8 for the righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing the lawless even in sodom god kept a witness witness name was he never preached but he lived he wouldn't do what the sodomites did he wouldn't talk the way they talked he wouldn't do anything the way they did but he liked the world but even there he was a silent witness a witness god kept a witness god will always keep a witness before he judges a people that's why scripture says to those who are perishing we are the aroma of death of judgment because when the world sees us they should know this world is being judged why because we are strangers living here packed and ready to go packed and ready to go because we are strangers then the world will seriously believe yeah is god of justice It's a God of mercy, but one day the tipping point will come 
for this world. Shall be my witnesses, said Jesus. And you know, all these generations, when they were living, they were dismissed by the people around them. Either they humiliated them, mocked them, or Lot was mocked. They told him, back off, otherwise we will do to you what we are planning to do with these angels too. And most of his servants down the centuries were killed only because they brought a particular message. Or think about the children of Israel, whom God brought out with a mighty hand. All through the wilderness, all they did was complain, complain, rebel, complain, complain, complain. First complaint was in the absence of leadership. And that second leader should have put his foot down and stopped it, but instead he compromised and allowed them what they wanted. So later they will compromise with the visible leadership. What was happening? They didn't see. Each time they complained, each time they rebelled, the cup was filling. One day it was full. God said, you will not enter into the land. It's over. Did anybody see it? Nobody saw it. Only God saw it. Not even Moses saw it. Aaron didn't see. Nobody saw it. Only God saw. We never see when this is being full. That's why we say no man knows the hour when he is coming. Only the father knows. Why? The cup is in his hands. He says, I see. It's filling. It's filling. Individual cup, corporate cups. That's what scripture says in Jude 1.5 about these people. I want to remind you though you once knew this that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not. He saved and he destroyed. He saved because he is merciful. He destroyed because he is just. He does both. But his mercy is long divine long suffering. Just no different when Jesus walked on the earth. He healed the sick. He cleansed the lepers. He delivered the oppressed. He fed the hungry. Only one thing they refused to accept from him. What was that? The message. Repent. They didn't want that message. God kept on telling them, don't test the long suffering of God. In Matthew 23, 31 and 32, Therefore you witnesses against yourself that you are the sons of who murdered the prophets. Philip? It's Philip. They said, we are Abraham as our fathers. He said, really? He said, it's not full yet. I see. It's not full yet. Keep on filling. I'm telling you change. Telling you change. Telling you change. Don't test the divine long-suffering. Change, change. Now the son himself has come and is speaking to you. All the ones who came before me, you killed them. Now the son is standing, telling you, don't want to change. What are you doing? You are filling up the measure of your father. What your fathers did, he, they left a three-quarters cup. You are filling the rest. Keep on filling. Drip, 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 drip. They killed Jesus. They kill Stephen, they kill James, and then within 40 years, judgment rolled into Israel. 
not a stone was left upon stone in Jerusalem. It was raised to the ground. And the Jews were scattered to the ends of the earth. And it is in 2017, in the month of December, there is a proclamation after. Then, how many years have passed? 2,000 years have passed. Jerusalem is the city of David. Because judgment rolled in. Because they filled it. Jerusalem is being declared as a city of David because his coming is closer. So that has got nothing to do with this. It's got to do with because now the final judgment is very close. Things are moving according to God's time plan. Everything. That's why God's thoughts and his ways are much, much higher than ours. Our job is to come under his mercy and keep on aligning our thoughts. When we align our thoughts, we will start changing our ways. Don't try to change your ways. First, change your thoughts. Then all your ways will change permanently. Paul in his time will write to the Thessalonian church, the church in Thessalonica, in First Thessalonica, chapter 2. For you, brethren, became imitators of the church of God, which are in Judea, in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judea. He says, at the core, everybody is the same, Jew or Gentile. They don't want the message of righteousness. Anybody who preaches righteousness, they will go after them. They said they did. Who killed both the Lord Jesus, their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they do not please God, and are contrary to all men. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they may be saved. So as always, fill up. They're filling up the measure of their sins. The cup is filling. Is the Roman Empire there now? One day God said, it's up. It's over. Wipe them out. God is in absolute control of history. His kingdom is coming. Every second we are sitting here and hearing the word, the kingdom is only getting closer. The nature of his kingdom is very clearly described in the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8 says, The Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever. The Father is telling the Son, O God, your throne is forever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom, of your kingdom. It's righteousness. Righteousness is the result of justice. Justice will come. But in the meantime, God is tempering his justice with mercy. Because he's long-suffering. And his long-suffering is not like our long-suffering. It is divine long-suffering. Divine long-suffering. So nobody knows, whether in an individual's life or in a nation's life, nobody knows when this is full. Accidents happen on earth, not in heaven. Every accident on earth is an incident in heaven. Absolutely determined by God. Because he says, time up. Either he takes the child of God at the best point in his life and says, come in. Because you go further, you go down. Your marks go down, so come in. Or he says, that's it, your cup is full. Get out. Because we think God is not aware of anything that is happening. He is aware of everything that happens. This is not a scare. This is a simple fact of Bible. Truth, history. In Joel chapter 3, verse 13, scripture says, put in the sickle, for the harvest is 
ripe. Come, go down. For the wine prices, wine prices, full. The vats, overflow. For the wickedness is great. He's talking about wickedness. He says, go ahead. It's time. Put the sickle. It's full. It's full. Once the command is given, the sickle is swung, a civilization is wiped out. It's gone. It's gone. 75 years from 1917. 75 years. Not a soldier lifted a gun. Not a tank mode. God said, enough. USSR, gone. One day, gone. Did you see? Not a gun was fired. Not a tank moved. Did the people rise in rebellion? No. God said, over. Your time is over. You persecuted my people. Enough. The cup is flow. Out. Next will fall China. God said, enough. These regimes, people sitting in high places, wicked people sitting and murdering innocents and babies and women and his servants. You think God is not seeing? He said, I'm giving you a time. Repent and change. Mark me, even in this nation. Mark me. They don't repent. Watch out. Three leaders will die. Three leaders. I'm not mentioning names. I'm not mentioning how, but I'm telling you what the Lord has shown me. Three will die. Because they're wicked beyond imagination. Because judgment is set. He watches, hoping people's hearts will change. Mercy will come in. But hearts only get more and more hardened. Hearts don't change. Mind changes when they see. And say, okay, I will let your people go. Bless me also. Okay. The Lord bless you and he goes. And after that says, get the army ready. Let us go after them. Hearts have to change, not just mind. That's the Pharaoh. Things will happen. Because God is getting ready to come for his bride. Jesus taught it best in Luke chapter 13. In verses 6 to 8. He spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. What does he use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. God is the gardener. You and I are the fig tree. Jesus is crying out for mercy. Father says, cut it down. Jesus says, Dara, wait a little more. Give them a little more time. That's why he came to a fig tree. It had leaves. No fruit. That's what he's telling. Israel, you are the fig tree. Lot of leaves. Lot of religious ceremony. But no fruit. Cursed. From root up, the tree was cursed. Forty years later, the nation is gone. When was the judgment set on Israel? It was judgment was set on Israel the day Jesus told the fig tree, you are cursed. Because I came, I finally, the vineyard honored, the sun has come, and I see no fruit in Israel. Go, let the Gentiles come in. I will have a people who will bring fruit. It's how God works. It's how God works. Because you and I are the fig tree. Redemption is for a purpose. One more year is the cry of the merciful Jesus. God alone judges the fruit of our lives. 
need to realize what mercy means. Mercy means you and I are all living on borrowed time. Borrowed time. I'm not saying anybody will drop down dead. Something worse will happen. A living death. Where you are not even aware you are dead. Because I explained yesterday the difference between mercy and grace. Grace is getting a blessing we did not deserve. Grace is getting a blessing we did not deserve. Mercy is not getting the punishment we deserve. Grace is getting a blessing we did not. Salvation is by grace and grace alone. Does anybody here, including me, deserve salvation? Mercy is not receiving the punishment we nobody can enter to the throne room of grace unless they come through the mercy gate. Come boldly, confidently to the throne room of grace and receive what? Mercy and then gate. To have access to grace, you and I need mercy. What is the simplest word in English but the most difficult to say? Sorry. That's the mercy gate. Sorry, forgive me, I was wrong. Don't think that gate is easy. Because pride has set a wall against it. I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. Ask a child, ask the parents here, ask a child to say sorry. Mercy gate. Understand that. We may keep no record. My father used to keep a diary. The first thing I remember is in December, the first thing he will do when we come, we cross into India, the first thing, we usually come winter vacation was December to March. First thing he does is buy the diary. Keeps this record. And I know people who keep pain, but even if you are a person who keeps a record of your day, you don't record everything what God has recorded. Most of us don't record. But those who record, I'm telling you, in Revelation 20, verse 12, scripture says, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books are opened. Everything is recorded. Books were opened. And the book of life is also opened. Books are opened. Jeremiah 23 verse 24, the prophet speaks to Israel and says, Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see? Says the Lord, do I not feel heaven and earth? David goes one step and says, even if I hide in hell, you find me there. You getting it? Drip, drip, drip. Unconfessed, unrepented sin is filling the cup. Filling the cup of nations, filling the cup of individuals. You know, some of you may have it in your homes when you switch on the pump to fill your overhead tank. When the tank is full, there is a cutoff. The pump automatically 
shuts off. You don't know it. When the pump goes off, you know the tank is full. So you don't know. There is a cutoff point over there in every life. God says, that's it. Cut off. The cup is full. No one knows the measure of any nation. No one knows the measure of any individual. Only God. Let me ask you this rhetorical question starting from Genesis. How many drops did it take to fill Adam and Eve's cup? One. How many drops did it take to fill Cain's cup? Two. First killed his brother, and then callous about it. Where is your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Two. God said enough. Because they were so close to God. They were the beginning. Sometimes you need to realize one sin is enough to turn a righteous man into a rebel. Like Uzziah. Like Asa. Matthew 26, 24. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to the man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It have been good for that man if he had not been born. Did God write in the scripture, somebody called Judas Iscariot will betray me? He said no. He will be betrayed. That's history. That's my prophecy. But you don't have to be that man who betrays. It's your choice. You chose to betray me. Oh, to that man. You know, when he says that, you know what the next verse is? Is it me, Rabbi? Who's asking? Judas. One virus is enough to keep you in bed for a week. <laughs> One mosquito is enough to give you dengue. One more sin is enough maybe to take you out. This is not divine forgetfulness, but it is divine mercy, divine long-suffering that is keeping us. Because none of us sitting here, including me, has fitted into God's script. God's script is called Jesus Christ. That's why we need mercy. That's why we need mercy. Without mercy, it's impossible. That's why he says, my mercy is anew every morning. Understand this. Even when we... That's what God said, don't judge. Don't judge one another. Don't judge one another. The problem is when you judge one another, you think everybody has one cap that fits all. God says no. Everybody's cup is different. That's why he said don't judge. I will judge because I know each one is a different cup. You will say, oh, he has plenty of time. He may be ready to die tomorrow. God says you don't know his cup. His cup is very small. Oh, this man is so wicked. He needs to die today. God says his cup is very big. I'm giving him more time. You don't know. God sets a measure in different places according to the privileges and the warnings a nation or a man has had. Cain, you will be a restless wanderer away for the presence of God forever. 
Of course, you'll build cities, you'll be a great man, great name, everything. But spiritually, what is your state? Dead. You cannot come back. Your cup is full. We think when the cup is full, we die. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Because he crossed the line. You see, God is under no obligation to wait. He has said in his word, the soul that sins shall die. But in his mercy, he waited for you and me. And he still waits. That's his mercy. Our guilt is real. My guilt is real. Your guilt is real. Our punishment is just. How can we be spared? Only by divine mercy. The funniest part where I read scripture is, do you know Ahab's history? What all that man did? God is not killing him. God is not killing him. God is not killing him. God is, he killed Naboth also. Took an innocent man's life. All that junk he did, God is not killing him. Is that okay? The righteous may be crying in the city, Lord, when will this man die? God said, not yet. Not yet. Divine mercy. Divine mercy. mercy. Now, turn to verse, first Kings chapter 22, verse 29. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. How are they going? Jehoshaphat and Ahab. Ahab just told, I am, I am Ahab. Peter is Jehoshaphat. I tell Jehoshaphat, you do one thing, okay? You wear my coat. You wear my coat. So Peter feels good. He's wearing my coat and going. And then, what did he do? Deception. Simple thing. Deception. Compared to all that he has done, this is small. Hey, you wear my coat. Look at the next verse I gave you. Yeah. Now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. You know, when he told that to Jehoshaphat and deceived him, God said his cup is full. His cup is full. Time up. A guy just randomly took his arrow, divinely guided between the gap, Ahab dead. He didn't have to be dressed in his coat. He could disguise himself from the entire army, not from the eyes of God. Because he says, your cup is full. Gone. Gone. Turn around, take me out of the battle for I am wounded. The battle increased. That day the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians and died at the evening. The blood ran out from the wound onto the floor of the chariot. And verse 36. Then as the sun was going down, a shout went throughout the army. Every man to his city, every man to his own country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria and they buried the king in Samaria. Then the guys who was in charge of the chariots took the chariot to the pool where prostitutes bathed and they washed the chariot of his Ahab's blood and the dogs came and drank that water. What Elijah prophesied came true. Judgment was set on that day, executed on this day. Because the cup was not full. Cup was not full. That's what I said. God has no obligation to show you and me any mercy. When the angels rebelled, they received no mercy. Out, he said, all of you. One third out. No mercy. 
Yet he waited for you and me till today. When he did not wait for the angel who stood in his presence, the anointed cherub, he did not wait, no mercy. He didn't show him any mercy. He shows you and me mercy every day of our life. We are living on mercy. Every day he says, one more day, one more day, one more day. Pleading in our hearts, change your thoughts, change your ways. Keep repenting or the kingdom of God is coming. It's close. Close. That's why I said, each one is different. I am different. You are different. I don't know about anybody. I don't even know about myself. All I can do is every day fasting, mercy. Live on mercy. Live on mercy. Mercy is the gate through which you access grace. If you go to my home, if you go to the top floor, if you go to the bathroom on the top floor, you open the tap, water comes with very little pressure. Because it's the top floor. If you go to the first floor, you open in the bathrooms there, it comes with better pressure. If you go to the ground floor, it comes with real pressure. The same water, but the buckets don't fill the same way. So, do the cups of life fill the same way? They don't fill the same way. That's why we are tough on the young ones. Some fill their life very fast. When they are young, they curse, they swear, they steal, they drink just to be part of the crowd. Before you know, they are drunkards and drug addicts. Soon they are caught. Then before you know, they are hardened criminals. Next thing you hear, they died of a drug overdose or died in a knife fight. Because they filled the cup very fast. That's why God always says to the young ones, serve the Lord in the days of your youth. Now, 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 when you are young. Because if you go the wrong way when you are young, you fill your cup very fast. Very fast. You never know. Unless you have praying parents. Some others fill their cup slowly. Like some of the kings of Israel. They forgot the godly upbringing of their fathers. They went after idols. Some are filling slowly. God will judge each one according to the light we had. God has sent warnings to Israel, witnesses to Israel. But they didn't take his warnings seriously. Think for a minute that young man, not young, by the time he was old. The young man, he had followed Abraham into the promised land. He had seen his father, his uncle, his uncle's failure, his uncle's repentance, God's mercy upon his life, all that he has seen. But he took one decision. When his uncle gave him a choice, when God gives us the choice, or somebody in authority gives you a choice, you have to be very careful about the decision you make. Because authority is a very, the authority over self itself is authority. Now that's that's the whole thing. As you're becoming teenagers, we you are exercising more authority over yourself and your guardians. Your parents are allowing you to make choices, hoping the word is in your heart and you will make the right choices. But the first time Lot 
makes a choice. Scripture says he chose and he chose according to Egypt in his mind and he faced Sodom. That's the first choice you see Lot making for himself. That's where it matters for the young people and look at them and look at the choices you're making. He made a choice at Lot, Sodom. Little later scripture says he's living in Sodom. But it's a righteous man. So what does God do? Sends him a knock on his head. Kings attack. Kings take Sodom captivity. And in the process, what happens? Lot and his family are taken captive. God opens a window of mercy. What does he do? One servant escapes. Only one servant from Lot's household. It's God. Opened one door. Let him go. Go straight to his uncle Abraham. And he tells Abraham, your lot, your nephew is gone. What does Abraham? Gathers his servants, goes, fights, rescues Lot. He gave Lot a warning. Gave Lot a witness. Lot heard what Melchizedek told Abraham. Blessed are you. He heard the witness of Melchizedek, the king of Jerusalem, about Abraham. He heard the witness of Abraham speaking to Bera, the king of Sodom. I will not take anything. He, this man has gone after money. He said, I will not take anything from you, not even a thong from your sandal, because I have lifted my hand to the living God. He had a warning and he had two witnesses. He doesn't listen. He goes back to Sodom. Next time. It's the day of judgment. Day of judgment. For him. That's what God is talking about. Day of judgment. He sends warnings. He sends witnesses. That's what he's telling Israel. I sent you prophets. I gave you warnings. I gave you witnesses. You know about the Nazarite vow. Yeah, Nazarite vow. Samson was a Nazarite. Nazarite, Nazarite vow. He said, I kept the Nazarenes in your middle as witnesses. Whenever a Nazarene walked around, they said, that man is separated to God. Look at him. He doesn't drink. He doesn't shave. He doesn't cut his hair. Set apart to God. That's the Nazarene. That there is a living God in this land. I kept them in your middle as witnesses. But you didn't listen. Warnings and witnesses. Warnings and witnesses. That's what God is talking about. Because there is a cry. That will come in heaven. Which we don't hear on earth. It happens in heaven. Paul the apostle saw it in Revelation 14. Then I looked and behold a white cloud on the cloud sat one like the son of man. Having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. Another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. Thrust in your sickle and reap. For the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is... It's interesting, okay? You go, go back there. It's into, you read scripture carefully. It's interesting how they have put it, okay? You, 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 all is in capitals. That means it is Jesus. Who is that? Jesus. An angel is coming from the presence of the Father. No man knows the hour other than the Father. Comes and tells the Son, harvest. Cup is full. Harvest the righteous. Boom. Trust in your sickle, reap for the time has for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Yeah. So he sat on the cloud, thrust his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. Who is God? The righteous are gone. 
Then another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven. He also had a sharp sickle. Now this is not Jesus. What did he do? Another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire. He cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle saying, Trust in your sharp sickle. Gather the clusters of the wine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth, gathered the wine of the earth, threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and the blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's burdles for 1,600 furlongs. Two different habits. No man knows the hour. Not even the sun. The cup is in the Father's hand. It's not in your hand. It's not in my hand. All we can do is love and mercy. Mercy. Jesus talks about this very graphically. He talks about one day. Nobody knew. If you're walking on earth and you had the typical Israelite philosophy, they will look at this poor man sitting there sick with sores all of his ground, dogs for company and said, man, you must be a sinner. Wretched sinner. Because remember the disciples asked about the man born blind, who sinned he or his fathers? Then you see the other side, next door is a huge house. Man is living nicely, pompously, eating nicely. And they said, man, that's a blessed man. Son of Abraham. One day the sickle came. Lazarus ended up with Abraham and the rich man is in hell. Split second. So, both ended in two different places. Not the way you saw on earth. Perspective is completely different. There is individual and corporate cups. That's why on all anniversaries you get cups. Let it be a reminder you are filling your cup. Maybe this Christmas and New Year we should all give you all of us a cup saying remember your cup. <laughs> I have a cup and I'm drinking from it. <laughs> Trying to empty it before it fills. Like I said, like Ahab or Cain, we do not know when our cup is full. And it might be for a silly if you look in the light of of the law. For a silly thing, what we say in English, the nickel drops on us. Hey, you wear my coat. Doom. Am I my brother's keeper? Doom. You see? Because we are looking at, how can God judge for this? God says, scup was full. Scup was full. One more lie. One more angry bitter word. One more brout of drunkenness. You never know. That could be your last drop. As God says, you have outlived my mercy. Sometimes we go on. But we don't realize. It's over there. And we're just, you know, sometimes when you're going full speed, but the petrol has gone, you can still keep on moving. And after some time it stops. But there's not petrol in the tank. Show you Genesis 23. 25, 32. Isa said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? When is it? Two young brothers, twins. He's coming after hunting. He's hungry. He says, give me. Smells good, give me. He says, give me a birthright. What does Isa say? Ha! 
What birthright? Take my birthright. Give me. God said, you're out. You what? How do you despise my birthright? He didn't even realize in God's judgment scale his cup was full. You know what book of Hebrews says? Chapter 12, verse 17. For I know afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance. That's what I'm saying. What people don't understand is there is an hour of mercy. And after the hour of mercy, you have crossed that line. What happens is people repent in their head, but the Holy Spirit is not there. Spirit is gone. Spirit is gone. You know in your head this is wrong and say, Lord, I am sorry. But you are not able to change your ways. Because to change your ways, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is gone. Spirit is gone. That's why he said, do not grieve my spirit. Do not quench my spirit. That's why we keep our hearts respective. That's the man after God's own heart. David, the man who goofed up full time. But every time fell on God's mercy. Fell on. Even at the end when he counts the army and God is mad and judgment comes, the prophet God comes and says, God says three. He says third one, let me fall on the mercy of God. God says done. Mercy. Jesus warned his generation. John chapter 8, verse 21 said to them, I am going away and you will seek me. You will seek me after I am gone away. But what will happen? I am not there. And you will die in your sin. Brothers, sisters, children, there are many kinds of death. And one which is dangerous. Don't die in your sin. Don't die in your sin. If you die in your sin, you cannot come where I go. Don't die in your sin. Again he repeats. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. If you don't believe who I am, the one who can save you. To one who comes and gives you mercy. To the one you come in repentance. If you don't believe that, you will die in your sin. Worst form of death. It doesn't matter if you die in a gutter like Lazarus. Doesn't matter. Or on a stake like a martyr. Or in the sea like a missionary. Or in the hands of a violent mob. Or burned to death like Graham Stain. It doesn't matter. That's all glory. But don't die in your sin. Even if you're sitting in a throne on a palace, if you die in your sin like Herod died. That's not a way to sin. Die. That's the worst death. Because you have filled up your cup. You die in your sin. See, you and I cannot remove one sin from this cup. Not even one drop. There is only one who can. His name is Jesus. It's only one. It's only one. There is one who can empty your entire cup. The one who says, if you confess, I am faithful. I am just. 
and faithful. And the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all unrighteous things. I'll empty your cup. Start all over again. 2018 doesn't have to be like 2017. You can start all over again. Empty your cup. You and I cannot. He can. That's what Christmas is about. No man has to die in their sin again. The gospel writer John writes his first epistle in chapter 5. He will say, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. It's only one. That's what Christmas is about. It's about mercy. The mercy of God. It's when God became flesh and dwelt among us. That's why he said, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain. Now don't mistake it. When you read the Lord's prayer, forgive our debts and blessed are the merciful. It does not mean that only when we are merciful, God is merciful towards us. Then that means my salvation is by works. That's not what God means. God means when you are genuinely born of God, his character starts growing in you and you actually become more and more merciful. That's one thing I look because I keep going to places where I haven't been for some time and I look at the people whom I have seen before. I see this, this what you call like you see in the eyes when you have cataract, like a film over their eyes. I see they are grown older, harder and bitter and I'm, sh- I'm shaken literally just coming back from another state. And I saw a lot of people whom I had met two years later. They have changed. They're closer to death, closer to judgment because they have become so bitter Nastier. What's happening here? They're all regular churchgoers. We are not talking about Gentiles. We are talking about Christians. This all applies to Christians. It doesn't apply to Gentiles. That's the question you need to ask. Has the character of God increasing in us? Are we becoming more righteous? Anybody who is born of sin practices righteousness is what scripture says. It's more merciful. It's more forgiving. But if you are not, then we need to put things right with God. Because everyone tries to justify themselves. But God says it's only one who justifies. Lawyer, a smart lawyer. Lawyers are trying to be smart. But before Jesus, the ultimate lawyer, you become like fools. He said, what are the commandments? Jesus said, asked him. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your might, all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. The lawyer, smart guy said, who is my neighbor? To justify himself. Jesus said, wait a second. I'll tell you who your neighbor is. So there was a man going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He's on a downhill path. When you are on the downhill path, there is a thief and a company of thieves who come to steal, to kill, to destroy He's attacked, beaten up, robbed, left bleeding. A priest comes. Who comes? Busy. I'm going to the temple. If there is if there's a Mallu priest, temple. <laughs> I am a Mallu, so I can crack it on myself. Though I rarely the slip comes. Okay. He went. He ignored him and went. After that came the Levite. He also ignored him and then comes the Samaritan. Who anyway can't go to the temple. He has to sit in the outer courts because he's not allowed. You are not kosher. Stay out. He looks at the man, 
carries him, binds him, takes him to the inn, gives to money and says, I will come back, take care of him. You know what Jesus said? Luke 10, 36. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? He said, he who showed mercy on him. Love your neighbor as yourself. Are you merciful? Has mercy of God increased in your life? I'm not talking about mercy at the cost of making God unjust. No, I'm talking about the balance of Joseph. Incredible. Just and merciful. Just and merciful. Because judgment is tempered by mercy. Always. It's like the mother of that soldier who came to Napoleon and cried for her son's life who was to be executed the next day because of something he did against the army rules. She cried and said, Emperor, I beg for mercy, mercy for my son. He said, your son does not deserve mercy. And she answered, my Lord, if he deserved mercy, it wouldn't be mercy. And he said, your answer has pleased me. Take your son. Mercy is never deserved. We don't deserve mercy. None of us deserve mercy. Therefore, we are those who received mercy. God says, be merciful. Be merciful. Grow in mercy. James chapter 2. James will say. Yeah. Yes. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. We want law to bring us liberty. He says, true law of liberty. This is how you do it. For judgment without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Because we have to see the heart of God. He's a father. Even in his judgment, the intention is mercy. When you go to certain judges, you hear stories. The judge looks at the young man, he looks at the offender and said, how old are you? This. Okay, tell me about yourself. Okay, is this your first offense? Yes. Showing you mercy. Do six months public service. Don't come back to my court again. Go. What is this showing? I'm judging you. But I'm showing you mercy. The purpose of the judgment is so that you will change your behavior. Mercy triumphs over judgment. But when the crime rate goes up, like some of the cases that we have here about the results from US, he's been sentenced to 450 years in prison. Multiple sentencing. Why? Because of all the children he molested. He deserves to be there for 500 years. Because God has got a heart for children. He'll never come out in his life. Especially if he's in a state prison. Because even the president cannot pardon him. President can only pardon for federal crimes. Those guys never come out. Seeing the difference? Judgment? Mercy triumphs over judgment. But 
If you keep on going, if you are being pulled up to the same court over and over, one day as they say in English, the judge will throw the book at you. It says, give him the maximum. Lock him up. It's a threat to society. Understand, church, all of us, there's only one chance in this life. Not like what people believe. It's only one chance. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for men to die. Not rebirth and die second time. No, only once. After that it is judgment. That it is judgment. Only once. We can fill our cups. If our cups are full, how will we face our judgment? What if you suddenly die and you reach there with a cup three quarter full? You didn't empty it. Salvation is there, but rewards are going doom, all flying out of the window, all gone. Don't fill your cup. If you fill your cup, fill your cup with the right thing. Yesterday I told the pastors, God divides the earth into two categories. Romans 9 verses 22 and 23, he says, What if God wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long suffering? The vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. And that he might known make the riches of his glory on the vessels of? What are you? What do you want to be? Do you want to be a vessel of wrath or a vessel of mercy? What do you want to be? Ask God, Lord, make me a vessel of mercy. Fill me with mercy. Make me a vessel in which your mercy can be filled in. Make me a vessel of mercy. There are only two kinds of vessel. Vessel of wrath. Vessel of mercy. Let me tell you, if you study actually history, vessels of wrath live longer. And their fall is sudden. Like Pharaoh. Actually, this illustration is talking about him. He was the vessel of wrath I prepared to bring down. That's why you see the fall of Saddam Hussein and the fall of Gaddafi and the fall of Hitler and all that's like momentous occasions. Vessels of wrath prepared. Spin drop silence in the church. Because for the babies who know their vessels of mercy. As I close in Romans 9, verse 14 and 15. What shall we say then? Is it unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I have mercy. He'll say, Lord, why are you not showing, why are you showing mercy to him? God says, because I know what you don't know. I see your cup, I see his cup. Only God sees, no one sees. Only God sees. I show mercy to whom I? So God says, you show mercy, you be just and show mercy. Be just and be mercy, because you don't judge. Judge with the facts you know very clearly and temper it mercy and make judgment, but don't judge. 
Because you do not know. Only I know. And I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I won't show mercy to whom I won't show mercy. And don't ask me why. Because I know. God says, I alone know. And our heart is to seek after God's mercy. God's mercy. You know what is interesting when Jesus walked on earth? And he began his ministry. He's up in the mountain. He comes down. From there the cry begins. It's one cry for which the whole of heaven stops. Jesus, son of David, have... It stops. It stops. What do you want me to do? If you're willing, you can make me clean. I am willing. You cried for mercy, right? You didn't quote the law saying, according to the law written by Moses in Leviticus, I am a leper and I... You didn't... Mercy. Be clean. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Shut up. He shouted louder, Jesus, son of David, after mercy. Jesus stopped bringing him here. He threw his garments, came. What do you want? I want my sight. See. Ten lepers standing. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. This is what you want. Can cleanse us. It's okay. Go. Show yourself to the priest. As they were going, they were healed. One stopped. And he came back. Lord, thank you Lord for your mercy. Other nine wins. According, we got it according to the law. That's the problem. That's what I said. There are no free gifts in life. Everything is because of God's mercy. That's why we are a grateful people. That's why we are a merciful people. Just and merciful. If you are only just and not merciful, you become like the Pharisees so blinded, you will ultimately kill the very son of God. And if you are not just and only merciful, you will pervert anything of God to suit yourself. So you cannot be either extreme. You ask God, show me the balance in my law. Like Joseph, how to be just and how to be merciful. Joseph was a just man. His wife is guilty according to the available evidence. She's guilty. She's come back from Nazareth, three months pregnant. And she says, it is of God. Now, nobody has heard anything about like this. He was a just man. And he decided to put her away Quietly. He could have done many things under the law. Let me take to her father and mother and I'm telling you, what kind of a daughter have you raised? Let her grab her to the elders like the, they did with the woman caught in adultery and says, what should we do with nothing? Quietly. Justice and immediately the window from heaven opened. He made a decision to put her quietly. He went to bed. God's angel appeared in a dream and said, Joseph, the child is of me. Lord, your witness, her witness, are the same. She didn't lie. She's true. Take her. You will have a son. And you will name him Yeshua. For he will save his people from their sins. Did you see? Windows in heaven opening into our lives. 
when we know how to balance the justice and the mercy of God and not becoming vindictive people who will say, I'm going to teach you a lesson. But I'm going to prove that I'm just when I'm teaching you. But the intention is something else. No, we are not. We cannot teach anybody anything because we ourselves are learning nothing. All we can say is okay. Let me handle it in a way which doesn't mar God's name. Let me give me the wisdom, Lord, to be just here and to be merciful. Just and merciful. Amen? Eric, uh, not Eric, Eric is in Jamshedpur. Rishi, where is Rishi? I want that song which you sang today. As I came in, I heard that song. I want that song. Let's look to the Lord. Come, the worship team, come. We have an awesome, oh, the mercy of God. Truly, as scripture says, when we all stand before God, that day we will realize, none of us, no one, from the first to the last, has nothing to boast. It is only by mercy and by His grace. Young and old. Actually, more, I will tell you, the funny thing in this church is the honest is more on the young ones than the old. You know why? Because many of the older people came to the Lord and got baptized after you. You have more knowledge of the word than many of them. So don't look at your age and think, oh, I am small. God says you have much access to the real knowledge. I'm telling you from the perspective we understand from God. Each one is demanded according to what they know. I'm not saying you're losing your salvation and all. That is, you can lose. I'm not once saved, always saved faction. I'm not that. I know looking in the scripture, you can lose it too. Okay. What I'm talking about is, look into those, examine your hearts, look into those signs to see one thing. 2017 is Overlord, 21 days more left. Have I really grown in righteousness? Have I grown in mercy? Blessed are the poor in the spirit. For their sister, am I poorer today? Just record your prayer and listen to it. Are you poorer today? In the privacy of your room where nobody sees and only God sees, are you on your face before God and say, Lord, mercy, Lord, mercy. I need you more today than I ever did. God says, you're poor. You're poor. I see you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be. Blessed are those who are merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. Yes, sir. Shall we stand?
that was the cry of your heart that you really need him step forward and ask pastor vijay and sister elsa to come to the front all of us we are not ministering to you because we need him as much or even more none of us will survive one hour without him Our prayer our cry today is Lord we need mercy We need mercy I need mercy we need mercy And Father we want to be vessels of mercy in your hand Mercy Lord mercy mercy Just let me tell you this morning I woke up first at 2 fell asleep again at 3 and I was working working and I could get nothing for today no word until I cried out to God and said Lord have mercy I need mercy Lord mercy mercy Lord I need a word from you mercy 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 That's when this word fell into place this message on mercy itself is a result of god's mercy so will be every genuine work that is done in our life will be because of the mercy of god you and i are here in this house today only because of the mercy We have sinned against you. Fathers have sinned against you. Forefathers have sinned. This nation has sinned against you. But I stand to God. And we stand today acknowledging our guilt. Acknowledging our transgressions. Acknowledging we have fallen so short of God that without mercy we will not survive. said in your word i will show mercy to whom i show mercy pray father you will show mercy to us we can only ask we can only plead we see through the gospel whenever there was a cry of mercy you stopped heaven stopped today our cry is for nothing but mercy mercy as individuals Mercy has families mercy as church mercy as our churches mercy 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 have mercy lord have mercy on us for you have not truly dealt with us according to our sins or iniquities you've been kind and compassionate it's not only noah's generation 
But the divine long suffering we all have experienced, oh God, and still experience. Have mercy on us, Lord. We want to close this year knowing that our cups are empty. That the blood of Jesus has emptied and cleansed. There is that no record against us. But we don't stop there, oh God. I pray that this 21 days and this coming years make us vessels of mercy. Fill us with your mercy. Fill us with mercy. That even if nothing else is told about us, anybody who knows us will say, he, she is a merciful man. I know I can go and I will receive mercy. Make us more vessels of mercy. Help us to be kind and compassionate to the weak, to the infirm, to the old, to those who have no power over us and over whom we have power. Help us to be kind, to be compassionate, to be merciful. Because if we judge as a father, as an employer, as anyone with authority, we judge without mercy. You said you would judge us without mercy. We need mercy. Make us merciful people, Lord. Every heart and heart be melted today. Let no one in this church wander like Cain. Or have no more influence to bring about a change of mind like Esau. Let our hearts be tender before Thee, O Lord. Help us to be just and merciful like Your earthly father and to have be a servant like Mary. To be able to say to You, let it be unto me according to Your word. We are Your hand servant. So that 2018 we can look with hope, with joy, with purpose. Knowing God is with us and God is going before us preparing a path that is straight so that He can come into our lives with glory. Thank you, thank you Father. Bless your people. Heal your people. Comfort your people. Strengthen your people. Help us to be your witnesses. Your witnesses O Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.